0: So it's Paul talking, and this is entitled, Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Morning with a question. Oh, there I am. I'm going to start this morning with a question, and uh, this is just to make sure everybody's awake. And the question is, why are we here? Okay, this isn't a great big why are we here on earth sort of question, but why are we here in church? Why are we here? Uh, Anybody got any answers? To worship, to fellowship. Okay, now think now I'm gonna ask you, think back to Easter. Easter Day. I asked this question, I gave you all an answer on Easter Day. That was a long time ago, I know. Anybody remember why we are here? Do you remember Sam? Remembered? Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive. That's why we're here. Because if Jesus isn't alive, none of this makes sense. And if Jesus isn't alive, He would never have become the leader of a faith movement that grew from just a bunch of worried individuals hiding away in a room in Jerusalem to be a global faith that uh, it said a third of the population of the world are followers of. So if Jesus isn't alive, none of this makes sense. But Jesus is alive. And if you remember at Easter, we agreed that we all believe that it's a historical fact that William the Conqueror defeated Harold in 1066, it's one of those dates that we all know, and it's a historical fact. And that's a good thing, but it doesn't really change my life very much, knowing that fact. It does explain, I found out, that the word jubilee is in our English language because it's a French word, so because William was French, I suspect that's how it got in there, but Jubilee is a French word. It explains some of the things that we might encounter, but it's not something that's going to change my life. But knowing that Jesus is alive, knowing that he was raised from the dead, knowing that the resurrection is real, that does change who you are. Because that's not just head knowledge, that's heart knowledge. And the heart knowledge is what makes us who we are. Knowing that the resurrection happened begins in our minds but then it descends to our hearts and it opens us up to an encounter with this risen Jesus and this term we're talking about hope and that's because it's part of our vision here at St Jude's oh no I've got to use one of these is this one really not working then oh dear sorry about that so here we are Hopefully everybody heard that first bit. Mike's putting hands up, so there we are. Perhaps perhaps we don't need this too much anyway. But so uh, we're talking about hope because our vision is what? Our vision is that we're about growing faith, offering hope, and sharing God's love. Should we say it together? Growing faith, offering hope, and sharing God's love. So today we're going to think about how this hope is a personal hope how it affects us as individuals. It's a hope that is found nowhere else. There is no other belief system in which a risen saviour dies in our place so that we can be set free. There is no other religion in which there is a God of love who is prepared to send his son to die for us. This hope that we have in Jesus is a very big deal. It's a great and generous offer of hope that comes through grace. We have this hope in a world that is sick and suffering. We have this hope that will change things if we let it out into the world. Imagine a world where this was the hope of everyone. We need to become a a place where we offer this hope to all those in need. So first this morning, we're going to be looking at this passage uh, from Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. So you might want to look up that passage on page 1173 in the church Bibles or find it on your phone. Chapter 2, it's a great passage that explains why we have this hope. The Christian faith is very realistic about the human condition. It doesn't say that we're all perfect and there's nothing wrong with us. It tells us how it is. It says that we are pretty much all a mess. We all make mistakes. We all upset people. We all do things wrong. That is who we are. We're not perfect and we won't be in this life. And so it starts... With this sentence, for you were dead in your transgressions, in your misdoings and your mistakes. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Those are the ways of this world. People are always doing bad things, aren't they? And we've seen that so clearly in this last week. Those shootings in Texas were just terrible. This is the world that we live in. And in the ancient world, every other faith, every other form of worship was there offering sacrifices because their answer to why was the world so bad was because the answer was because the gods are angry with us. So every other belief system in the ancient world was offering sacrifices to try and please the gods to turn away their punishment and their wrath. The answer to why do bad things happen was because God is angry with us. But that's not what we find in this passage. In this passage, we find a God who loves us, and because of His great love for us, He saves us. It's not that we get what we deserve. It's the opposite. We get this gift of grace the grace that we've already sung about, this grace that's so central to the Christian faith. God chose to raise us up with Christ, for we will be seated in the heavenly realms with him, for he is the resurrection of the life. God, instead of visiting upon us capricious cruelty, expresses to us his unconditional kindness. For you have been saved by grace. You have been saved by grace through faith. It starts with him, not with us. It starts with what he does, his grace, his gift that's given to us. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared for us. So we have this hope to pass on to others. We have this radical revelation of who God is, that he's the good father that comes running down the road to scoop us up and wrap us in his arms he's not angry with us he's not waiting to catch us out or punish us he's waiting to forgive us and love us this is who God is this is our God and this God gives us a reason for hope in him and in his great love in his great mercy this hope makes sense that's the theory. And Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul's always good if you want to get some theory about what the Christian faith is all about. Let's see how this works out in practice. How does this work out in practice? And to do that, let's look at the Apostle Peter. Peter met with the risen Jesus. Peter knew that Jesus was alive. He met him on the day of his resurrection. In Corinthians, it says that Jesus met with Peter alone. Peter was there with the other disciples in the 40 days up until the ascension of Jesus as Jesus passes on his last instructions and messages. And then in John chapter 21, there's an extraordinary conversation between Jesus and Peter that happens on a beach early in a morning. And on that morning... uh, If we could have the slides up. Let's get some slides up. I think I've already missed one. But um, on that morning, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He asked him that question because Peter is the one who has denied Jesus. All four Gospels record this event, that on the night that Jesus is arrested, Peter goes and sits by a coal fire and he's challenged as to whether he's one of Jesus' followers and three times Peter denies that he knows Jesus. Three times he lies about who he is. He lies about his relationship with Jesus. And in this meeting in John chapter 21 there's lots of resonance with what's gone before. Jesus tells the disciples how to catch a miraculous catch of fish just as he has done when he first called them to follow him. Jesus meets Peter at a coal fire, just like the coal fire where Peter denied him. And just as Peter denies Jesus three times, Jesus asks Peter three times this question, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He goes back to his original name, Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? On that night when Jesus was arrested, Peter has panicked and he's tried to save his own skin. He's tried to keep his position of power. He's tried to probably work out in his mind how he can carry on leading the other disciples if Jesus is gone, if Jesus is going to be killed on a cross the next day. Peter's tried to protect his position and stay in control. And so Jesus takes him back to this central foundational part of his identity. What's in your heart, Peter? What do you truly love? Do you love this position of power or do you love me more than everything that the world can offer you? Do you truly love me? This isn't a time of Jesus making Peter squirm. It's not about blame or guilt. It's about a divine restoration that Peter is being restored to relationship with Jesus. Jesus isn't sticking the knife in and twisting it. He's using these words like a scalpel to cut out that part of of Peter's heart that's gone wrong and replace it with something new, something precious, something perfect. And the thing is, if Jesus does that with Peter, Peter who'd spent three years with him, Peter who'd watched him walk on the water, do these miracles... If Jesus does this with Peter, who's denied him after all of that, then really there's nothing that we can do that could ever make Jesus not forgive us. There's nothing that we can do that would turn Jesus away from us. Nothing that we could do could be worse than that betrayal, that hurt, that disloyalty that Peter inflicts on Jesus. So as we see this example of Jesus's grace and forgiveness we can know that this hope this hope that we have is a sure and certain hope it's not just for those who are good or special or make it to church every Sunday it's for all of us no matter who we are Jesus loves us and he will go on loving us no matter what we do that's the sort of hope that we have a hope in Jesus who will never give up on us who will always go on loving us? This is remarkable news, isn't it? This hope that we have—it's not about us and our good works, so that no one can boast. It's about Jesus and His sacrifice made once for all, His gift of grace to us. That's what this is all about. And just this week, just this week, uh, our daughter, our eldest daughter, who's a teacher in Birmingham. She's an English teacher, but she had to cover a history lesson. And she's a Christian, and in this history lesson, she found that she had to teach the children in this school that's mainly a Muslim catchment area. Uh, In her school, they're mainly Muslims, uh, uh, and she had to teach them about the church's reformation in the 16th century. That was a bit of a coincidence. But anyway, Millie's there, and she gets to stand in front of the class, and she says, what happened with Martin Luther in the 16th century was he discovered, he rediscovered that it's all about grace, that we're saved by faith. The Roman Catholic Church was depending on indulgences and they'd made it all about what people did. And Martin Luther said, no, it's about grace and it's about free forgiveness that comes from God because Jesus has died for us. And she was able to say all this to this classroom. And one of the girls at the back said, wow, that's amazing. Because it is. And we forget this. We forget this amazing grace that we might sing about, but we may not realize just how amazing it is. And on Thursday, the same day, I was in school, in our St. Jude's Primary School, and I was doing a uh, an assembly about the ascension, and I talked about Jesus' journey from the earth to the sky lord i lift your name on high was the song that we sang in assembly and i was talking about his journey his journey ending by this going up to heaven and how uh, deb's and i've been on a journey and talked a bit about the camino that we'd just been on and how when you get to the end of the camino in santiago de compostela this pilgrimage journey they give you uh, a shell and uh, this is the shell that they give you, a little scallop shell. It's the sign of St. James, and it's got the cross of St. James on it. And I said, this is what you get if you do a pilgrimage to Santiago. I said, but do you know, because of Jesus, we get to go to heaven. And when you get to heaven, you don't get given a shell. You get given a crown of gold. And there was a little girl about halfway back on my left, And as I said, when you get to heaven, you get given a crown of gold. Her whole face lit up because she could see that crown of gold. That was precious to her. That was something that she could see. That was a hope that she could have. That was a seed of hope planted, wasn't it? And we forget. We forget how brilliant this hope is, how amazing it is, how wonderful it is. There's, um, I love the Celtic Saints, and I don't know if you know much about the Celtic Saints, but they came and brought Christianity to our nation um, early on, right back in the day, and uh, and they started forming the church in a way that it really should be formed, and they were a bit radical, and they didn't do things um, properly or follow the right right ways of doing things. They just did what God told them. They listened to the Holy Spirit, and they went and did what he told them to do. And there was a saint called St. Aidan, and he always walked everywhere. And uh, and whenever he walked anywhere, whoever he met, whenever he was walking, he would ask them, are you a Christian? He would say, hello, I'm St. Aidan. Probably not St. Aidan. I'm Aidan. Hi, I'm Aidan. Are you a Christian? And if they said no he would explain the Christian faith to them because this hope is so wonderful that we shouldn't go past anyone without passing it on. That was Aidan's way of doing things. If they were not a Christian, he would tell them how to become a Christian. If they were a Christian, he would encourage them. So he has two things to do with whoever he meets. Ask them if they're a Christian. Are you a Christian? Yes. I'll encourage you. No. I'll tell you how to become one. That's a great way to live, isn't it? And, um, when we go on our little pilgrimage walks part of the fun of being on a pilgrimage walk is that you look out for people of faith to encourage or people who have no faith to ask them why they're doing the pilgrimage and uh, and perhaps talk to them a bit about faith so on this pilgrimage journey that Debs and I made we, we were always looking out for people to have conversations of faith with and uh, what happened one day was we got to a cafe just as it was opening and we went into this cafe and there was, it hadn't been there before, it was a new cafe. We've walked this, this particular part of the Camino before in 2016 and the cafe wasn't there. So it was new, so we thought we'd go in and see. And uh, there was a lady, it was called Heidi's, and there was a lady there who probably was Heidi. And we said, hello, how's it going? And she said, well, she said, I opened in 2019. And so 2020 wasn't a great year, and 2021 wasn't a great year, but it's starting to pick up now. And uh, she was an American lady, we could tell from her accent, and unusually, there were some little leaflets about finding God on the Camino, on the shelves in this cafe. So we sort of thought that she might be a Christian. So we got the Wi-Fi code, and we started doing our Bible notes, so... We get up early and walk, so we do the Bible notes when we could during the day. And in the Bible notes for that day, uh, on my uh, on my system, we got to Proverbs verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 25, and it says, "Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." And so I'm sitting in the cafe, and Heidi doesn't look like she's had a great day. So I, God just said to me. Give her one of your crosses. So I always take some wooden crosses to give to people uh, on the Camino. So I then had to go and find her, and that was a bit awkward because she was now cooking in the kitchen. So I had to peer around the door of the kitchen and say, excuse me, could I have a word? And she looked at me, uh, and what's this going to be about? And I said, look, I'm just doing my Bible notes, and it says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And there you are, refreshing others. So I wanted to give you this cross. Um, I think it might be from God. And, uh, and then I went and sat down, feeling a bit silly. Anyway, um, I'd done what God had told me to do. I sat down, and then she came and found us. And she came over and she said, um, thank you ever so much for the cross. Where did it come from? And I told her where it came from. And she said, thank you ever so much. It really means a lot, because I've had a tough morning already today. And it just really means a lot that you gave it to me. God is still having encounters with people that bring them hope. If we're open to his Holy Spirit, if we're open to following what that Holy Spirit tells us to do, we can bring hope to others. We can be the ones who offer hope. So what are we going to take away from this passage this morning? What's God's message to us today? Well, first, I think the message is that we have a hope that makes sense. It's a hope that is based upon the facts that we can believe in. It's not a made-up hope. It's a hope that is, makes sense. Paul wrote that passage to the Ephesians to explain the hope that they had, the hope that we all have. We have a hope because of God's great love, because of his great mercy, We get this grace, this gift of grace. It's a hope that makes sense. And then secondly, it's a hope that is certain. If Peter can be forgiven, if Peter, after what he did, gets restored and welcomed back into fellowship with Jesus, then whatever we've done, whatever we've done, whoever we are, we can be sure that this is a hope that we can have too. It's a sure and certain hope. If Jesus restores Peter, then he will come and rescue us, no matter what we've done. And then last, I hope that this is a hope that we should share. That's just something that we shouldn't be able to hold in, this amazing hope that we have. God has given his Holy Spirit as a sign and a seal of this hope. And if we know that Holy Spirit, if we've encountered the risen Jesus, then we need to let this hope get out there into the world. It's a hope that makes sense, a hope that is certain and a hope that we need to share. This is who we need to be here at St. Jude's because our world needs hope. It needs this hope, this sure and certain hope, this hope that makes sense, this hope that we can share with everyone. Now, I realize that there may be people here today who haven't encountered Jesus in this way, who don't know this hope for themselves. And if that's you, then uh, we're going to stand and sing in a moment. And during that song, there will be people up in the area that we call the chancel that uh, will be happy to pray with you and pray about that encounter with Jesus that brings you hope. And also if there are people here today who have a burden that's just bearing down on them and stopping them looking up and seeing this hope, then those uh, prayer that prayer team will be happy to pray with you as well. But for all of us, let's stand, and I'm going to say a prayer uh, before we sing our last song. So, Lord, we want to allow your Spirit into this place to confirm to us the certainty of this hope that we have. So I just want to ask you to put your hand on your heart because this is heart knowledge. This is about the love that we have for God and the love that he has for us. Because of his great love, he has given us this hope. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the sign and the seal of this hope, a hope that makes sense, a hope that is certain, a hope that we need to share. So, Lord, we pray now that you would fill our souls with this hope. Fill us now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill us now. Pour into us your love and your joy. Fill us with your faith and your love, your hope, and your peace. Lord, we are so amazed by your grace. We are overwhelmed by your great love. Be with us now, Lord. Fill us now. Be with us always. We're going to sing our last song that is about.